My name is Dan Ledbetter, and with me, as always, the talented, vivacious, and I was going to come up with some more adjectives, and I totally forgot to write them down. <laughs> Priscilla McKinney. Good morning, Priscilla. <laughs> That's okay. I'll give you some time. Do you want me to wait right here? Yeah, wait right here. I'll be back in about 20 minutes. So. <laughs> that won't be awkward at all. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Please, uh, listeners, uh, talk amongst yourselves. Oh, man. After all the years we've known each other, I mean, they should just, like, you know, roll off the top I, of your tongue. But uh, maybe I don't want to hear the ones that come off the top of your tongue. No. <laughs> no. So, trust me, I've had to work for years on my internal editor. So, oh. so I don't want to blow it out all in one session here. <laughs> well, I don't want you to give all our secrets away either. No, no, no. Hey, so. you know what, Priscilla? Remember when we were talking uh, on the Call to Action podcast that we did a while back? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we were talking about writing to your audience and knowing your audience. And I really wanted to talk a little bit more about that because I thought we were just starting to unpack some stuff when we ran out of time. Yeah. So would that be okay if we talked about that? Yeah, I love it. I I love to start from an idea of clarity. And I think the one you're referring to more is where we talked about the actual avatar, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really understanding who you're writing to, who is using your product or who could use your services. And we were talking about crafting a call to action that is meaningful to that person, right? Yes, Yes, that would be the one. Well, I love talking about clarity and it really goes back even further if I think about it. I have business owners who come to me all the time. And for the lack of a better word, they're really stuck. Yeah. They're like, either they have a startup idea and they're about ready to get all the money, you know, together. And they think they have the end of the plan, but the marketing piece is just, it's like a brick wall to them. So either they're stuck there, but more often than not, I am talking with people who have a very established business and probably a very successful business. Right. But they are also stuck. Hmm. And they've hit this plateau and they don't really know what to do. And entrepreneurship up until then, or, you know, small business ownership has been such a, uh, I'd say a lonely affair maybe yes. <laughs> for them. That and, and they've been very successful. But with that success does not always come other successful peers. Over the years of entrepreneurship, you started with a group of people who started businesses. Not all of them are still around when sure. you're successful. And so a lot of times I end up talking with business owners who are stuck in that way. They've brought the company to a certain level of success, but now they've tried three or four things, or maybe they haven't tried anything because they literally don't know what to do next. And some of them are absolutely paralyzed. Wow. And I say this, you know, why this is like kind of a elliptical backstory coming back to, you know, the subject matter you're mentioning right. is that I realize upon talking with them a little bit is they don't have a clear idea of who their audience is anymore. Hmm. Maybe at the very beginning of their business, they had a particular type of customer. And maybe they had a really close connection with with the customer, maybe when the business was smaller. But now they may have outgrown that and they don't truly understand the loyalty. They don't understand why some of the people who have stayed have stayed. And they don't understand why some of their previously good customers are gone. Mm -hmm. And then the third piece of it is, and they don't know how to get new ones. <laughs> right. Well, that's that's what I was I was thinking about because like you were talking about, I think there are some businesses that are incredibly successful and yet they don't take the time or even think about. I mean, you know, because you're running a business, there's a million other things to do. I, and I I think that the one key component that gets missed is who am I really selling or marketing to? You know, right. who is my customer? Who are these people? 
And on top of that, if you're a business that's been around forever, going through that process yearly, like going, wow, you know, my customer base, while it may be the same here, it's it's expanding and it's growing. And I don't think the demographic is the same on a year to year basis. I think that's so important to find out who your customer base is now. Well, it absolutely is imperative, but I got to tell you, one of my big tip-offs to knowing that a client has got a clarity issue when it comes to their audience is when it starts sounding like they're having an identity crisis in their own company. Hmm. And I think it's a symptom of the first because you don't really know, I wouldn't say you don't know what you stand for. Of course you do that, but you don't know what you stand for for the client People are starting to wonder, you know, I I just hear it in small little phrases like, well, you know, we really used to be for the 20 somethings to do blah, blah, blah. But now we have a lot of different people coming. So the conversation trails off into weird. Literally, when I start hearing ambiguous statements, I know we've got an identity problem. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and also they're also just in effect, they're polling me. Priscilla, what do you think about blah, blah, blah? You know, the moment someone is asking me, now, obviously, I'm a marketing expert, and so I'm not saying they shouldn't be asking me, but when a successful entrepreneur is asking me questions about their own demographics, when they're polling me, what do I think about this? What do I think about this? Should I try this? You know, people say I should try that. I know they're in trouble. Mm. Because... You take someone who typically has been a very direct, a very successful person, someone who's made a lot of very difficult decisions to get where they are, and now they don't know which way to go. Right, right. So when I hear things like that sound like an identity crisis or the companies have an identity crisis, I like to go back to the demographics. I go like to go back and help them get clarity about knowing their audience and not just knowing who they are, but of the people that are their clientele, Who is ideal? And I know some people don't like to hear this, but sometimes it means walking away from some clients. Right. You bring up a very interesting point. I love the fact that you you narrowed down to who is your ideal client, because I think sometimes I I think people like to live in the vagueness of the of the big picture Mm -hmm. instead of getting laser in on who who are the clients that I really want to attract or who are my customers that I really want to draw in. That's such a good point. Well, and some people have just outgrown their clients. They Maybe they offered a certain type of thing, but their company has matured and is offering more sophisticated services, but they still have some of the old hangers honors. Mm. And they're not really moving with the new revenue picture, the new products and services of the company. And that pain creates and adds to the identity crisis. But you're wow. right. You know, there is that adage to say, if everybody's your customer, then nobody's your customer. Right, right. And while I don't like necessarily throwing stupid adages like that out for the sake of it, I have to sit and think about that for a minute. I want an owner to sit with me and be able to, at the end of a session, really know what does this client look like, this elusive client you want more of. (laughs) Right. Sounds great. I'll bring them to you. But I need to know who they are and I need to know how they think and I need to know what they're doing on a day to day basis. And so, yeah, let's talk about that. And I think more than anything, it'd be very easy for me to fall over into what we do here in developing personas and call them buyer personas. But whatever you want to call them, I'm not very interested in industry jargon. The point is ideal customer Mm. (laughs) develop develop a persona. And we talked about it. We use the word avatar. 
so that when you're writing, when you're developing strategy, when you're thinking about the revenue picture, who is it you have in mind? Yeah. So you've got a clear picture of the per. It's almost like having someone sit down in front of you and go, okay, I have to write to this person. Exactly. What exactly. do I say? You know, instead of that, that blurry kind of, uh, <laughs> I always think when I, when I talk about like clarity of customers, I always think of that one shot, you know, the famous, uh, uh, photograph of Bigfoot, mm -hmm. you know, that, and it's, it's blurry, <laughs> it's out of focus and it's kind of a side shot and you go, well, it kind of looks like a guy in a monkey suit, but I can't really tell. I'm not sure. But it's, I, I love that because you really are getting it in focus of who the customer is and who is the person I'm writing to rather than this ambiguous thing or this mass of people. You're, you're actually writing to a person. Well, so many people are caught up. They've heard content, content, content is king. You have to have epic content. They're hearing it so much. And so they're like, okay, so I've got to have content. I've got to conceive of it. And then I've got to write it. Now I need to get an editor. Now I've got to get someone to push it out on my platform. But I'm right. like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, slow down, Charlie. Who are you writing to? That is going to completely color the content you develop, how you write it. That means like the voice, the styling, the length, all of those little nuances and the editing hat that you put on when once it's all done and good and looking at, you know, staring you in the face and you're like, I am ready. It's, it's screaming at you. Post me, post me. And you're thinking, Ooh, really? Why? <laughs> right. And it, what was my point? What was the strategy? So obviously marketing strategy is so big, but a lot of people don't realize just breaking it down, it can be so much more simple than they make it out to be. And starting with personas is, I find, a very easy way to start talking with clients because I know marketing, but I'm never going to know their particular business better than they do. Right. So right. I've got to hear from them. They need to do the work and they, they need to be able to walk through. What I'm very good at is asking the strategic questions that help mm -hmm. them get there. And so let's talk about let's let's unpack the persona. I think that's yeah. a really a, a great you know someone can be sitting here and and really work through it and hopefully it'll cause people to question. Wait a minute, have I really been using my best resources to try and gain the best client? Right. Because if you're not careful, you'll spend the eighty twenty rule. You'll spend eighty percent of your resources running after that twenty percent, yes. and it comes to find out that twenty percent is not your ideal client. They're just the ones who either respond quicker or have the most amount of problems, so you hear from them more, but they're not your best client. Right, right. Yeah, let's unpack that. I think that's exciting. Okay. Like I said, this is totally crucial, but I like to tell people to start with what they know, but I also want them to question because a lot of us have this idea of, oh, you know what? This person's really been a good client for me. And then we just have to stop and ask ourselves, really? How have they been a good client? What In what way? There are some amazing clients that treat us so well. They're so fun to work with, but they're not necessarily very profitable. And as an entrepreneur myself, I, you know, reserve the right to work with them because I like my work environment to be a certain way. Right. So there's a lot of value to that. But when we're talking about developing personas for strategy, what we're talking about is really getting down to who are the most profitable clients and profitable in the sense of what I have is truly a value to them. And so it's going to be a very streamlined process. They're going to understand very easily what I have and they have a deep recognition or they resonate with what I have, meaning that they find value value in it. And so it's this very painless exchange. Everybody is winning because they're like, you have what I want. Look, you're making it easy for me to get what I want. Let's keep moving. Right. Right. And, and so 
that's really what I, I, I don't want people to get hung up on outliers. There's always a difference. There's always that one person you're always going to work with, even though they don't make any money. Mm. And you're always going to have that one client who makes you so much money that you are like, what do I do here? Where's my strategy? Right. <laughs> you know? So there's always outliers. Please don't get fixated on these. The idea of personas is to really help you develop a stronger platform from which to develop your whole strategy and also a lens through which you can edit and question yourself. Hmm, okay. It's well, not, that makes sense. It's not a definitive answer. It's not like I'm only going after this person. It's just it, it's meant to put the majority of your resources and money to really have the biggest probability of giving you the kind of success you want. Right. That makes sense. Is that a good? Yeah, it totally caveat? does. That's that's very clear. <laughs> I just hate it when people, you know, get into this and they feel the pressure so much that they want to identify every person who's ever done business with them, and that's not what it's for. So. Right. Okay. Well, let's just start with the basics. I yeah. know this might sound silly, but we use the word avatar because we actually choose a name and we choose a picture. But you know what? I don't choose the picture until the very end. Oh, really? Because now, why is that? That seems that would seem that would seem almost backwards to me. Because I think you would have to have the the person's face in mind before you build the uh, the thing around it. But you do it in reverse, right? Because someone's face means a lot of things. I've, I've made a lot of assumptions. I'm human. Oh, I you know this is okay. where I have a degree in anthropology, so I actually know what I'm talking about now. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, we have uh, societal agreements that are tacit that we make assumptions about people based on the shape of their face. Sure. So. And that is, and that piece of uh, information cost me how many thousands of dollars? Yes, exactly. But that's your one takeaway, my gosh. <laughs> oh, so, um, so I don't like to start there because I feel like it leads me somewhere. And I'd rather be led by the facts than by a photo. Mm, okay, gotcha. All so right. um, I start with, like, what is demographic information? And, and, you know, I like, again, I don't like to use jargon, but, okay, are they affluent? Are they professional? Hmm. I like to think about it in terms of things like, what do they wear to work? If they wear jeans, we're talking about a different person than someone who always has to have on something that just came from the dry cleaner. Right, or like dockers or business casual. Or, right. Or, you know, like a, a, a Joseph A. Banks suit or something. Right. Are people still wearing dockers? You know, I don't even know. Okay. Well, maybe. I, you scared maybe, me. You scared me for a minute. <laughs> I might have just dated myself. I don't know. I, I might have to update my wardrobe. <laughs> Oh, we don't wear dockers here. But anyway, oh, right. let's kind of start with that. Do you want to do one? What is an ideal client for you? You know, are are you looking for someone to a, a, a new podcast? Yeah, let's okay. Let's do that. Like, let's say I'm looking for uh, if I had to if I I'll give you my my general breakdown mm -hmm. and then we can unpack that even further. Okay. So, so if I'm looking for a new client. Mm hmm. For podcasting, mm -hmm. uh, the 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 generalization would be it would be a small to medium business owner okay. that is looking to expand the reach of their market. Like one one area that I've been I've been wanting to focus on more is like restaurants, okay? Be because I I think that that is such an underused. Uh, Medium. I mean, you know, you can always do a Facebook page. You can always use Twitter and all those other things. But I'm sitting there mm -hmm. going, how can they leverage the power of the podcast to further their business? So let's let's do a, a small to medium sized restaurant owner. Okay. So what are are they affluent? Like when you say small to medium, that means a lot of different things. Okay. In Joplin, Missouri, that's very different than from in L.A. 
That's true. Okay, that small is true. to medium. Here, you could hang a shingle for two hundred and fifty dollars. Okay. In L.A., you know, this is someone who has a about a quarter of a million dollar line of credit. Right. Okay. okay. So let's right. let's get specific. Where okay. where are we talking? So let's let's break it down to I would say a small restaurant uh, operator would be like a a one. Uh, like a one storefront or a food truck even because I've been thinking about that market as well. So like uh, one store maybe mm-hmm. seats about 80 people. That would be my small business. The medium business would be he has two or three franchises or chains okay. of his store. Okay. And each one, I would I would say he is affluent. Okay. Now, you know, it's so interesting that restaurant is such a hard gig. It's so interesting. I've come in with already some of my defenses, so I'm trying to let them go. But a restaurant business is very hectic. Hard to get someone to sit down and, you know, work on a podcast and content. Um, It's also typically razor thin margins Mm -hmm. unless it has something frou-frou, which I love where you're going with that. Because if someone has a following, a podcast, a real brand. So you're talking about someone who has a brand around their restaurant. Right. Yeah. Like there's there's, uh, the example that I go by. There's this uh, food truck service out here called uh, Kogi. It's Uh it's, uh, the guy's got a great brand he fuses uh like mexican and uh, korean food so he does these amazing like like sweet and sour braised beef tacos and things like that just (laughs) really interesting food right and his only medium that he uses right now is twitter oh yeah that's really that's really um typical with food trucks yeah but i mean it works for him and that's the only way you know where a kogi truck is like if you're on their twitter list like, mm-hmm. he'll say, hey, we're over by the UC Irvine uh, mm-hmm. parking lot on parking lot C. We'll be there from 12 noon to 3 o'clock. See you there. Right. And there's millions of people that show up. So, right. I mean, it's working. But I'm just wondering what they're missing uh, from yeah. not using uh, a podcast or something like that. That's what's been going through my head. Okay. Well, I'm going to go through just a couple of them. We'll just kind of kick around some okay. so that they're fun and people kind of see how interactive they are. So, yeah. okay. So, they're affluent. Um, now, what is this person where to work? An apron? Uh, jeans, jeans, jeans and a t-shirt. Pretty casual person. Very casual, yeah. Okay, so they're, they're, the level of seniority that they have, they're the owner. You're only going to be talking with the owner, correct? Probably, yes, or the, okay. G- or the GM. Okay, let's talk a little bit about the GM. You know, who do we want to make as the persona? Who do you think is a likely contact here? Um, I would say they are probably in their late 20s, early 30s. Mm-hmm. Um. I would say either single or married with no kids. Okay. But let's pick. Are you is who is this buyer persona? Is it the GM or is it the owner? Which I one would, are we gonna develop? Uh I would develop well, let's see. Let's let's develop the owner because okay. he's the one who would ultimately make the decision. I agree. Um, okay. So this is the owner. What okay. is their typical day? Where do they kind of start? What does their day look like? Uh, day probably starts at about, I would say probably starts about five or 6 AM. Mm-hmm. Uh, they get up, have their coffee, mm-hmm. go over their, their business plan, make sure that the, the drivers are scheduled for their trucks, uh, uh probably already in contact with the general manager. Yeah, it gets started and then uh, tracks, you know, does the ordering, I would I would think, or checks in. Well, see, that's where it gets fuzzy for me because it's like, where does the 
owners stop and the GM starts. Mm-hmm. But when they are coming, when they're at the point where they can afford podcasting as a brand, right? Where are they at? Oh, oh. Well, I would think that they would be, from an owner's standpoint, that he would be freed up enough mm-hmm. to be able to work on some of the the finer and more intricate aspects of marketing. Mm-hmm. It seems to me that he's not in that startup phase of his business any longer. He's in the process. Right. So phase. he's got like, let's say he's got like uh, nine trucks mm-hmm. that he, that go out on on any given day. Okay. To different locations. So he's I, like, he, he can afford some new level of marketing. Okay. So just kind of how we hit that there is I kind of look at it just a quick breakdown. Are they in the startup phase of the business? Are they in that, you know, that middle making money, pro- basically where they're really trying to refine processes because they're mm. trying to find, you know, uh, new revenue. They're trying to shave, you know, um, costs and they're looking to increase their profit margin. That's a process orientation. And that's going to be your sweet spot for this this persona, right? So they're right. going to be very process oriented. They're want to, going to want to know more about like, well, what is this going to take? When is this going to start? When is this going to end? They're process oriented. At the very end, if you capture some, you know, I have one client right now very much in the legacy phase. Mm. They're looking for either how do I figure out how to retire or how do I figure out how to leave behind something for my family? How do I leave it? You know, this kind of stuff. So you have to think in the persona, where is this person? If they're in startup, it makes it very difficult um, to make the money sense. And it, you, you have a very difficult place to make the time sense. They're very time poor in startup. Right. right. So, you know, you want to identify. So I'm looking for someone who's in that process phase. They're established, but they need more juice, right? They, they, want, they want some gasoline to their fire. Right. Okay. So the day in their life, you're saying that they do have time. It sounds like it probably would happen more in the early afternoon that they would have time. Yeah. You know, for you. Okay. They're still maybe they maybe he is operational to some degree, but it's really more working with his GMs. Right. And just checking in, seeing what's going on. If there are any fires he needs to put out Mm -hmm. during the day, if anything, you know, is running low that he needs to reorder or something like that. Okay. So is this guy looking at his P&L every day? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I would say so. Okay. So when he goes to bed at night, what is he worried about? Wow, that's a a great question. I've never even thought of that. (laughs) You're a wizard. (laughs) you got to solve the problem, man. Yeah. Wow, what is he worried about? To be totally honest, part of me goes, well, he's not worried about anything because his business is running strong. I would say that if I were that guy, what would I worry about? I would worry about strengthening and fortifying the brand getting new clientele and how to leverage the power of my brand to take it to the next level, whether that be like, uh, like having, you know, a line of frozen food at the store. You know what I mean? Like how, how claim jumper went from being a restaurant to now they have like all these appetizers and desserts in the frozen food section of the store and like really turning it into mm-hmm. a, a, a big commodity. So what I hear you saying All right. is that he is concerned with what the next step is. Yes. He is wondering if this is the right time to really invest in brand. Right. And he's wondering if it's too early to expand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. He, he He's kind of wondering if he's, he's questioning himself. Is, is right. this the hubris of the entrepreneur or do I really have something special here? Right, right. Okay, so he's he's asking himself a lot of questions. Okay, right. how would you help deal with those questions? Well, I guess uh, for me, and and this is strictly just off off the top of my head, thinking about that business, 
I, I would first ask, I go, well, how liquid are you, number one? Like, are you are you swimming in debt or are you at a place where you're comfortable, you're the liquidity level? Like, you know, is all your is all your stuff out in trucks and you're making these huge, you know, nut payments every month? Uh, I would ask that question. I would say, uh, how how big do you want to get, really? Mm-hmm. Because I think that's a question that not too many people ask. It's like they they say, I want to grow. Well, how how big do you want to grow? Mm-hmm. So I would want to find out what, to them, the next level would be. Okay. Um, I would ask them that. I would also ask, uh, how comfortable are you with the with the uh, middle management that you have in place? Mm-hmm. Because if you don't have a system in place that you can trust and leave responsible for uh, for long mm-hmm. periods of time then it doesn't make sense for you to try to expand or grow over here when you need to fortify what's right in front of you right now. Okay. Okay. That's so that's that's what I would I would ask him first. That would be some of the questions because I think if those things aren't in play or you don't have a clear direction, then expansion doesn't seem like that would be the best thing for you at that time. Okay. So if you're talking with this guy, what does how does he like to talk? What's his talking style? I would think that this guy likes to talk. Wow, these are great questions. Good Lord, I've never even like thought about these. Um, this is how, fun. This is what I get to do all day. Yeah, this is like this is like getting paid to play all day. So, mm-hmm. um, well, how does he talk? Is he very direct? Does he only respect honest answers? Does he have like a lot of yes people around him? See, I what's would he think, like? I would think he's very clear and concise. Mm-hmm. Um, he he doesn't like to. Uh, I would think he doesn't like to dwell in the ambiguous. I, I think he likes to make clear, calculated decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's a risk taker because mm-hmm. you would have to be if you're starting out a like a, like let's say the Kogi truck. Like you know, you wake up one day and say, "Hey, I'm going to fuse uh, Mexican mm-hmm. and Korean food together." Right. That sounds like a good idea. <laughs> okay. Right. Let me interject something here, though. Please, I think please. he was a risk taker. I think now he's a little bit more thoughtful. And I think he's a little bit more worried than he lets on. Okay. Because he took a lot of risk in order to get here. But I think he's wondering now, oh, my gosh, why was I successful? Mm. Like, you know, this happens to entrepreneurs that they, you know, everybody's just like, yeah, of course you did it. And, you know, then people go write books about here's the eight steps of how I did it, which is total just crap in my opinion. Because it that's just you know hindsight yes. um and so now they get to retell a story which you know i did take in school historiography the history of history the right. people who win get to write history okay right. so now right. you can rewrite how you became a food truck conglomerate which really probably is nothing like the story of really how he became it mm. he you know to truly tell the story he'd get, have to get way too vulnerable about how yes. how much self doubt there was how sure. much risk how you know his you know his wife almost left him for you know mortgaging the house and whatever it is you know and i you know i digress from there but all to say is that I think where you're catching this guy is that he's now not willing to risk it all. Mm, okay. Now he's a more thoughtful person because he has something now, you know, to lose. But in the startup phase, he didn't. So he probably threw right. a lot of caution to the wind. I do think he his life runs at a very fast pace. Like when we went back to the, like what does a day in his life look like? Right. He's probably pretty fast. So he has has learned hone those skills to be make decisions pretty quickly. But I bet he's pretty thoughtful. Mm-hmm. So I think he will tell you no, 
if he needs to, um, instead of kind of the elusive, I'll think about it. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, you know? or I'll get back to you. Right. So I, I think he might he might say, I need to think about that. Um, but I think he'll be very, very deliberate about that. I don't think it's one of those shrug you off because he doesn't have time to have people come back and pester him. Hmm. Hey, you said you'd think about it. If he really is not going to think about it, he won't tell you that. Right. This is my, right. my thought about it. So, you know, I, I think he's looking for that. But, you know, so let's talk a little about what his goals are. You hit on it when you first kind of started. You told me a little bit that he's looking to expand the reach of his market. Right. Um, you know, he wants to get new clients. Anything else about the goals? Obviously, make more money. Okay. You know, like it's uh, he wants to grow his business into something really successful and and mm-hmm. and uh, well, I was going to say and big, but I, I thought, wow, well, that's not very clear. Mm. So it's like I, I I would say like let's say is this guy a millennial? Yeah, I would say he is a millennial. I'd say he probably doesn't want big. I think he probably wants this experience of his brand to develop his culture, uh, and I think he'd like to make a lot more money quietly, but not necessarily by being huge. Right. Okay. All right. Yeah. You know what? I didn't see. You're a genius. It's like, <laughs> it's like I didn't even I didn't even take into consideration. Is this guy like? Is he a Gen X? Is he is he a millennial? Is he a boomer? Is he a buster? Which one is he? I think because that enjoying, totally makes a difference. Yeah. I think right now he's enjoying the experience. He's enjoying the ride. Right. He's pretty worried, I, I would say. But he, I think he is enjoying the ride, and he enjoys the prestige that comes with having done something off the grid. Right. In a in a in a very on the grid way as restaurants are. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. But you know, to the millennials, kind of like, you know, be a nonconformist, you know, in a conforming kind of way because everybody else is being a nonconformist, so let's right. do that. I want to be a nonconformist like everybody else. <laughs> exactly. So that is kind of a funny thing about millennials is they want the experience. And so he doesn't want to ruin the ride. And right. that's I think where he's a little bit worried. So okay. Mm. So where does the I, I could talk about this stuff all day long, let me tell you. Oh wait. I do. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I do. That's what I get paid Okay, for. where does this guy go to get his information? What is it? Where, where are his eyeballs all day long? Oh, the internet, absolutely. Okay. I would say the internet, social media. I'm sure he gets feedback from, uh, you know, his, his Twitter feed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm sure that he hears from his, his GMs or the people that run the trucks on an individual basis, like what's working, what's not working what's selling, what's not selling. I, I think that there is, that he is looking for uh, real-time data, you know, coming back, like, instantaneously. Oh, you used one of the words I listened for. Oh, what was that? Data. He wants data. data. Yes. Okay, he wants to track stuff. That's one right. of his goals. He's right. He wants that. Yeah, okay. tangible results. Yeah. Okay. And when you say he's on the Internet, he's on his phone, right? <laughs> I would say, yeah, either a phone or an iPad, okay. for sure. Yeah, this guy is not sitting at a at a desk at a, a no, 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 no. He's he's, I don't at a, think he... he's at a Starbucks or something like that. Right. Okay, now that's making sense. Whole Foods probably, right? Um, <laughs> Bristol Farms, whatever. Yes. <laughs> um, okay, so let's kind of drop, circle back a little bit down to that he was a millennial. So when he's talking with you, what experience is he wanting? I would say the experience he wants is he wants to know is I'm trying to think like a millennial. It's really, really hard. I've tried I've tried to really sit down and, and think like a millennial, you mm-hmm. know, to kind of get that feeling. And what I come up with is he would want to know the um, the emotional impact mm-hmm. of his product. Like what, what are the feels that that people get when they have, you know, this food? 
and what how it affects the community and the culture that he lives in and how is what he's doing bettering that okay so i would say that he is looking he is looking for he is looking for a tangible experience that is going to support his core belief system which which correct me if i'm wrong is on a social level like social justice on an environmental level mm-hmm. and uh, on a culture level oh you just stumbled onto something so when you're talking about a podcast this guy has he's not just looking for the money the profit he he has some other issues, some other bigger. Oh yeah, pipe, absolutely. Pipe it's it's a bigger all. picture. It's it's that you know I I want to save the world one taco at a time kind of mentality. <laughs> okay, hold on. I gotta write that down. <laughs> you could put that on your wall uh, at work. No, I'm telling you, I'm gonna talk to you a minute about psychographics. Uh, one taco at a time. I'm writing it down. At <laughs> I want to save the world one taco. Isn't at a time. Isn't this fun getting into this stuff? It is. Okay. It really is. All right, so let me hit on a couple quick ones that I think are not as, uh, you know, let's talk about his age real quick. Let's give him a number. Okay. What's his age? I would, I would say he is 32 at this point. 32, okay. How much is he pocketing? What's his income? I would say gross, he is pocketing. He is getting all-you-can-eat tacos. Yeah, well, that's part <laughs> of the benefit program. Okay. <laughs> I would think. Uh, I would say he's probably pocketing in the neighborhood of 125 to 150 a year. Okay. That may be low because I'm not I'm not a hundred percent sure of the, yeah of the uh, I would have to go and do a little bit of uh, work on like the number of trucks and how much each truck brings in, mm-hmm. and so but I would say overall he's probably pulling down a hundred twenty. Okay, because we said this was a two to three like truck. Oh, two to three. Oh, okay. I'm sorry that I was off. That I'd say he's probably pulling down like seventy five. Okay. Maybe eighty. Seventy five to eighty. Okay. Are we sticking with that, that this is a two to three truck? Game? Yeah, I'll, let's stick with the two okay, to three. Okay, I'm really, I was going to say 80, that this guy's making 80. Oh, okay, so, so we're, we're on the same page. Okay. Um, now, I'm not saying he doesn't want to be making 150. <laughs> right. So, that could be a goal. Okay. That could be a goal. So um, when, when you talk with him, what is typically the thing that's going to come up to keep him, the obstacle to keep him from talking with you further? What What's going to come up in his mind? Like... What is he going to say? Say, well, maybe you should. Have you ever thought about starting a podcast? What's his line? Um, his line would be, well, it's just a food truck. What is there to talk about? Okay, okay. So he's not going to understand like the bigger picture. What, right. What he's not, he's not going to understand. There are so many variables within that. Okay. Like you, he can only see it from the standpoint of, I have a truck. I give people food. Mm-hmm. It's good food, and people love the food. But it's just a truck. At the end of the day, what are we going to talk about? Well, it's got a 350 Chevy engine in it and mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. Or, or, like, why don't we talk about things that matter? Like, you know, I would, what I would say to him is that it can be so much more than just talking about your tacos. It would be, yes, it is a, it is a unique fusion of, of Korean and whatever food. But there is also, like, what do you guys do? What are, what are the charities you're involved with? What are the, what are the social impacts that you help create by providing this food? You know what I mean? It's a trickle-down effect. It doesn't have to be about just the food or the food truck or where you've been or events that you're going to go to, but that's all part of it. Mm-hmm. But it would be like, wow, what? Tell, tell me about the journey it took to get here. Tell me about exciting things that are happening. Tell me about some of the events you've been to where you've seen you know, this stuff uh, impacted. Okay. 
So that's that's where where I would uh, try to expand their thinking in the sense of it's not just about a taco. The the taco is merely a vehicle to get to the the, the only word I can think of is like the feels the feels of the experience. The taco is the mere vehicle to the enlightenment. <laughs> <laughs> yes, if I was sitting on top of a mountain, I'd want a taco with me. Okay. <laughs> well, we know that, but that's all Yeah, right. I know that was that was a given. <laughs> that was a given. Um let let's go back just one question kind of like what this experience. I think it kind of hits a little bit on kind of where the objection would lie. And that's, I think, is he wanting an experience of developing, like, what would it be like if he had fanatical evangelists for his brand? Oh, right, 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 right. Isn't that what most of these hipsters are after? Yeah, exactly. They, they want, you know what they want? Mm. And this is, I'm just going to throw this out because it just seems like the answer. Mm-hmm. It's like they want the Apple experience. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, Apple people are diehard, like, they would much rather cut off their arm than give mm-hmm. up their iPad or iPhone. Mm-hmm. And they are so brand loyal. It doesn't matter. Apple could come out with a stick <laughs> that has an Apple on it and sell it for $300 and people would buy it. The iStick. Stick not included. Yeah, stick not included. <laughs> That's another $4,000. Because we're trying to save trees, people. Sorry, I have been wanting to say that line <laughs> for like <laughs> eight years. <laughs> Well, now, now your life is over. I don't know what you're going to do. <laughs> do you remember that uh, that old video game, You Don't Know Jack? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They used to have this, you know, fake commercials in the middle of the rounds. Yeah. And there was one that was like, sticky buddy, sticky buddy. And it's like, you know, these kids playing like it's a stick. It's your friend. It's right. your stick friend. You know, and all the stuff. And it's all sticky buddy, sticky buddy. <laughs> At the very end, it goes, stick not included. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I... Every once in a while, something will be just going absolutely nuts somewhere. And my husband will lean over to me and go, stick not included. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. It's so good. That is hilarious. All right. But that's it. But that's what I think they want. I think they want want to have their brand be somewhat of a reflection of the the fanatical Apple brand. Okay. Because that seems to be, at least in my experience, that seems to be the... Uh, the the ultimate icon for hipsters. Okay, what's his right? name? What's his name? What's his name? I, I say his name's his name's Riley. Riley. Can he have a last name like Chu? Like C H U. Chu, like C H E W. Is he ethnic? Is he ethnic? Uh, yeah, he is, is actually. Like this is great. He got you know how his he brought some of the Korean from his mom. His dad's. Hispanic. Yeah, I would say he's uh, he's second generation. Okay. Korean, but he was born born in the states. Second gen Korean. Right. Okay. I'm I'm just joking. You make up your own name, so it's okay. name is Riley. I'll call him Riley. Okay. We need a last name. We'll think um, on. Um. Yeah. Uh. uh how about uh, Wu W U. Okay. Now you're now you're like giving me all the information demographics of your actual where you live. <laughs> right. Yeah. I know exactly. Yeah. Um. Okay. So we've got that. Now we go pick a picture, right? Okay. Okay. Right. So this is kind of where, you know, where I go back and we circle the wagons to say, so what am I trying to do with my, you know, you asked me in another podcast, what do I do with my LinkedIn? Right. (laughs) Right. Well, what I'm going to do from this, I'm going to actually write a persona story for you of who this person is, is their name. I'll create it for you. In fact, when we post this, this uh, podcast, I'll actually post my completed persona. Oh, wow. For okay. it. 
um, at no extra cost, Dan Ledbetter. Wow, yes, thank you. <laughs> I, I'm excited about that. But I think this would be of interest to people. I, You know, we have an actual Little Bird Marketing uh, worksheet that we use for Persona, and I'm happy to give it away. So let's oh, let's give wow, it away. Great deal, all right. Um, just go to info.littlebirdmarketing.com. We'll throw it up there. Uh, let's say, let's <clears throat> slash persona hyphen worksheet. Wow. So info.littlebirdmarketing.com forward slash persona hyphen worksheet. And I'll give you Great. this persona worksheet. But I, I cannot tell you. This may have been fun and you follow along with us. But now when you want to write an article, want to write a social media post, want to know, should I spend this $4,000 on this sponsorship for this event? Right. I don't know. Does this answer any of the problems or does this resonate at all with my ideal client? Hmm. And for you, I, you know, I chose to go through this with you, Dan, because you really have, in this case, one, this is one type of client. Now, we didn't have to make him a restaurateur at all. It sure. applied to sure. a lot of small business in the same 80,000 range, right? Right. So you see this is a persona for you. A lot of businesses, we create three to four personas there so that we capture like who is it we're going after okay oh. because some businesses get more complicated too because they have different divisions and so a particular division is going after a particular client and another division after another so it's not that you just have one it's that when you're writing a particular piece of content you need to write it for one of them right don't try and write it for all four personas your company is going out after you'll lose everybody by going trying to go for everybody oh. So, gotcha. you know, you'll see like one time I'll write a, a blog that is for, um, you know, my VP of marketing type of persona. Mm -hmm. Okay. Then you'll see I write a blog and I talk just directly to the owner, you right. know, the person who put their mortgage on the line. How does that feel? Right. <laughs> and I'll go for the jugular on that. Then I'll write one for the startup. The hipster really, you know, has a little bit of hubris, but thinks they can make it. And I love working with those people because I like to talk through their idea and see if I think they can make it too. And I like to yeah. make their plan better. So I have, I actually have four personas that we have here at, at Little Bird that we always write to. And so it's important for us to go take one down from the shelf and write the piece for them. I'm not saying that there's not some overlap and sometimes that owner doesn't resonate with that VP of marketing's uh, blog. We get, you know, it, it goes back and forth. But when you write, you write so much better and your campaigns are so much better. Your editing is so much better when you write just for one of them. Yeah, that's so true. You know, it's like I, I didn't even think that by trying to reach the widest audience possible that you're actually alienating the widest audience you possible. absolutely are and so i'll give you a little snippet and i'm you know i i i kind of like sometimes to put myself on the spot but yeah you know so for example you might say okay riley Wu, he's a busy but inspiring hipster he's very thoughtful about creating an amazing culture and wants to build a brand he's risked everything to get to this place with his business um, and he is managing to stay focused on the bottom line. He doesn't necessarily want to run a large conglomerate, but he's worried right now about when would be the right time to take the next step to expand, or should he circle the wagons and really invest in his brand? So, mm. you know, I'll go on, but that's how the story starts, dot, dot, dot. Right. Okay, so now I have this all fleshed out. So then I begin to understand who who I'm writing for. And obviously, you know, 
it's a persona. <laughs> so, right. You know, right. Um, but you're going if that's really the kind of person you think you can solve the most, bring the most value to. You need to keep writing to someone who is going to see that and resonate and go, oh, my gosh, this guy, this is my guy. You know, so keep writing toward that person, that ideal person, because then when you find them, instead of you going, oh, OK, I could tweak my idea of podcasting to what are you doing? You know, you already understand a lot of this person. Now, that doesn't mean go and make all the assumptions about them. It means go ask them. But now you know what questions to ask so you can really understand them. But in terms of attracting a new client, if you're going to spend the money trying to attract one, why not spend the money trying to attract the ideal one? Right. Right. So one more time, that is info.littlebirdmarketing.com forward slash persona hyphen worksheet. And you'll put that you'll put that link in the. Uh, I will go figure it out and get it get it done. Get, get it done. I think it'll be get fun. It I might add a few other fun questions. We brought up a couple of extra fun ones that just made it, it. It's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to make you think about your business in a new way, right? And get you re-energized to to attract the best and brightest. Yeah, you know that's such a such an amazing exercise, Priscilla. Because seriously, it has changed the way that I think about about what I do. Mm-hmm. As far as podcasting, it, it takes it to another level of who is my client? Who are the people that I want to attract? Who who are the people that I want to, to talk to? And how do I talk to them? I, I think that's such an important thing that gets overlooked, you know, because I, I we touched on it a, a couple of podcasts ago about how you can shotgun mm-hmm. and throw it out there and hope you hit something. Or you can be like a sharpshooter and really get your focus clear right. and just aim for the for the client you want. Right. Well, you also get a clear idea of why they're talking with you. And that's I, I forgot to mention that. I said, oh, you touched on something about a psychographic. Uh, we talk about a psychographic being, you know, this person may come to you and say, hey, dude, I want to build fanatical, you know, a fanatical following. I want to have the coolest brand out there. That's what he's right. saying to you, right? But a psychographic involves the things he's not saying. Mm-hmm. What he doesn't say to you is, I really want to save the world one taco at a time. He's not right. going to say that to you because he knows how crazy that sounds. But right. it's important to know that that's in his mind. You know, the other thing he is thinking is, which he's not going to reveal to you most likely, is I wonder if I, it, this just is as good as it gets and I should just hunker down. Oh, wow. Wow. You know, and so you need to think about what are the things that if I were in his position, I would not share. What are some of my worries, you know, that I say to myself? Hmm. You know, like what are, what are the things that I that I dare not speak aloud? Right. And just or maybe saying maybe he's saying, I don't even know what a podcast is. If he's if that's a part of a psychographic, then you've got another issue. Right. So right. that's why you have to really unpack this persona and and understand why is he talking to you? Yes. And how can you yes. solve the unspoken problems that he has? Wow, these are such good questions. Well, good. It was a, it was worth it this morning. <laughs> it was worth it, absolutely. I feel like I could uh, I can take on the day with a whole new attitude now. Oh, see, now do you see why I have so much fun? Yeah, good heavens. That's like that's I mean I, I it's so it's so funny because I feel really energized after this mm-hmm. this talk, right? It's like it changes how I how I think about what I do and think about who it impacts and right. who I'm targeting and all that. 
This this has been amazing, Priscilla. Thank you for being so generous, number one, in divulging some of your, your best practices, because a lot of businesses don't do that. It's like their trade secret. But you've been very generous in exposing the things that have worked and how you do what you do. And obviously, I, I know that nobody can do it exactly like you do, but you've provided a framework mm -hmm. for people to at least get you know a little bit more micro on who their audience is and who the who the target is. So thank you for that. Yeah, That's really brilliant. I, I think it just basically brings all these la di da like business goals down to real world. Who are we talking right. to? And let's get real about this. And it should be energizing. Yeah. 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 Well, listeners, obviously, you've got a freebie here for you to uh, to download and try out. And we would love to hear your feedback. Like, how has this how has this worksheet helped you? Like, I would love to hear some of you who've downloaded it, gone through it, and really gotten to the nitty-gritty of who your client is and who you want to market to. So you can always uh, leave a comment on our Facebook page, on the Little Bird website, or wherever you downloaded this podcast from. So for Ponderings from the Perch, the Little Bird Marketing Company podcast, the home of cage-free thinking, this has been Dan Ledbetter along with Priscilla McKinney saying have a great day. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.